Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental family, we love you so much. Welcome back. I am Valentina Sinistera. I am half of Pretty Mental. I am Paula Sinistera. I am the other half of Pretty Mental, and I am a mental health therapist. And we are sisters, and this is a beautiful mental health, spiritual, energetic, human journey podcast. And today we have an amazing guest, Allison Charles, the rock star shaman who joined our podcast. This was such a beautiful conversation where we got to weave in a ton of shamanic concepts into the life journey. And we got to learn about power animals and her incredible book that's about to come out. That is all about power animals and how we can learn from these sacred beings on this life journey. And the book is actually out the book is out. So it's ready for you guys. Now, if you want to get it, it's so beautiful. And after diving into Allison's journey, you will just want to dive deeper into her world. She's so multidimensional, so powerful. She's so tapped in. And this was a podcast that we've been trying to get for a few months. So I'm so excited that we finally got it in and out to you guys. And if you guys are from Allison's camp, welcome to Pretty Mental. We're so happy you're here. For all of our new listeners, we're so happy you're here. And all of our returning listeners, we are so happy you are here. (laughs) cheers cheers and with that pretty mental family let's take in a deep breath we open up the space calling in our higher selves calling in all of the energies that walk with us in this lifetime our guides our angels our power animals calling them all in as we open ourselves up for whatever wants to come through for the highest healing of ourselves, our community, everyone they come in contact with. And for the highest healing, we ground in, we root in, open up our hearts, open up our throats, open up our minds. The portal is now open. Indeed. Allison. I was in, I was in there with you. I was like, nice and here. Let's just sit in here and not talk for this episode. <laughs> the silent surrendered podcast. That'd be a beautiful podcast experience. <laughs> just transmission. Maybe only. a little <laughs> right for the people present. It might be a little different for those tuning in. Yeah. I don't think anyone would be surprised with how much me and Paula talk about just like we are the queens of just doing nothing and staring at clouds. So so we would zen out so hard. And I feel like you would too. I do. Luke catches me all the time. Like he'll come into a room and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just sitting here. Like, I'll just be like in a room silent, just, just, you know, just feeling, just accessing. He's just like, you're just sitting in here alone in the quiet. I'm like, yeah, it's like my favorite thing. But anyways. <laughs> yes. 
Welcome yes. to the podcast, Allison Charles. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here with you, ladies. Yeah, it's cool. It's a vibe. I like doing this three person dance. <laughs> yes. So we would love if you could introduce yourself to our community and give us a bit of information, information, background <laughs> on your mental health journey and how you got to where you are today. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is where I'll, I'll, I might take breaks along the way and let you ladies talk because this answer can tend to be a long one because it spans so many years, but so many lifetimes essentially. But, um, yeah, I mean, I always get taken right to this beginning decision point that I felt like I had to make when I was a very, very young child. Um, and there's a backstory to it, but essentially at around two and a half, three years old, uh, my spiritual gifts were still very much alive. My seership, my ability to be a seer is, is perhaps my strongest gift. And that gift was very much alive. And yet at the same time, my dad, who I love very much, and I always love to preface, I, I wouldn't change a second of my journey. It's all by divine design and perfect. But not only was he my dad, but he was also my distance running coach. And so at two and a half years old, I was already put into my first competitive road race. And so my point is at this very young age, I became aware that I needed to close down one of these connection lines because to be a seer and to have my spiritual gifts fully on online and activated, I was going to be able to see too much as a young girl around my dad and his own wounding and his own childhood traumas and things like that. So I felt like I had to choose between my connection line and my relationship to the divine, to great spirit and my own soul, or choose to keep that alive at the demise of my relationship with my dad. And I chose to greatly suppress my connection to the divine in order to keep more flourishing the relationship with my father slash my coach. And he ended up being my coach for many years. Um, and I was trained at a very elite level and won a couple of, of national championships as a, as an athlete and ran on scholarship at the university of Alabama and all of these things. But when I reflect on the mental health piece specifically, it always takes me back to that two and a half year old decision point, because in choosing to shut down my connection and relationship with the divine and my own soul and my calling for why I'm here, that set me on a very long course of suffering, incredibly deep suffering, a ton of deep emotional anguish, and also just this, this shell of living in denial and illusion, which caused so much pain on a mind, body, spirit, soul level, which exacerbated into, you know, extreme anxiety disorder and many years of panic attacks and being medicated and autoimmune disorders, you know, all of those different ways in which your intuition and your body intelligence tries to tell you you're out of alignment. 
And then it comes in louder and stronger. You're getting more out of alignment. But I was so discombobulated and lost, especially in a 16 and a half year previous romantic relationship that he was also in his pain body. He was also living in a lot of denial and he had a lot of his own addiction issues. And I had my codependency issues. So it was a perfect storm of almost two decades of us swirling in this cycle of insanity, um, which caused a ton of mental health issues for me and really reached a breaking point, which is the day when finally all my guides came in and said, all right, like, she's unable to pull herself out of this storm. We've got to intervene. And there was a one day when I was living in Brooklyn where all my guides came in and they turned my clear audience gift on and began to send me instructions. And through those instructions, I had a spiritual awakening and a divine intervention day, which thankfully, although that was the scariest moment of my life, equal parts, most miraculous and got me into alignment with who I really am and why I'm really here. So that's like the most succinct ex explanation I can give. Mm. Do you think, so when I'm listening to your story, I'm like, do you think that it was always supposed to play out that way? I know like part of it is yes. And the other part is like, could you have seen yourself in that now looking back in that time, knowing that like, um, something's got to be different or did that just feel the most normal for you? I, I just really struggled. Let me tune in to what answer wants to come through in this day. I mean, you know, I, the way I choose to live and the way I teach and what I embody is we live in a world of, of infinite possibilities. So I choose to view my pre-awakened path as divinely designed and, and perfect for me because the lessons and the teachings that came from that and, and that, that choice point that I explained at two and a half years old, I still all these many, many years deep on the shamanic and spiritual healing path. I'm taken back to that choice point in my continuous evolutionary healing journey a lot. And it continues to inform me and having gone through that allows me now to not ever compromise my line with the divine. And had I not experienced that choice point at such a young age, I wouldn't be as resolute and uncompromising when it comes to this vertical line relationship that I have with the planet we live on, great mother earth, that I have with the unification of my own soul and that I have with, you know, great spirit, which is where the name rock star shaman comes from that can, that vertical connection line. So, so I choose to view it as it playing out karmically and in all, all the many layers that go into those, those webs of the earth walk as exactly as it should be. Why do you think that you tuned out the, your spirit at two years old? What was so painful that you had to, you had to tune out? Well, I think I would have tuned into, you know, and I always want to be respectful and honoring, like when I'm sharing about other people 
with my uh, interviews and things, um, you know, I, my dad, and again, I love him so much, but like most humans walking the planet, he endured, um, you know, some, some traumas, some pretty uh, deep traumatic experiences as a child. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't necessarily meant for him or he didn't choose or just didn't have the understanding of the spiritual tools available to him to go to those experiences and heal. And so at the time that I'm this little girl, that pain body is still very activated in him and the place from which there was love involved, but there was also this huge energetic place from which he was coaching and from which he was being a dad that involved a lot of distortion and dysfunction. And as a little seer girl, it would have been absolutely too much to hold as a two and a half year old, allowing both, allowing all of my gifts to be fully online and alive. And also, remembering he's not just my dad, but every single day for hours, sometimes twice a day, he's my coach as a, as a distance runner athlete. So I'm with him for the large part of every single day, every day. And I would have been seeing too much of the place from which he was in relation to me that would have been, I think, really damaging and hard to let myself get the full scope of. So I couldn't hold both at once. And so I chose to suppress the, the gifts and spend more time with him. <laughs> yeah, that may, oh, go ahead. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people, and we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, that growing up, we have to figure out a way to survive. Survival is the number one goal. And a lot of us have to choose survival over authenticity or attachment to our primary figures over authenticity. It is too much. I, I can only imagine being able to see everything that you're capable of seeing mm -hmm. um, while still being a two-year-old. Because I guess the gifts are on board, but you're still a two-year-old. You're still very young. So how do you even process through that? Mm -hmm. How do you make sense of it? how do you relay it? It'd probably cause more pain mm -hmm. to relay what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So it's better to just disconnect and stay in relationship. And I think a lot of us do that. Yeah. I mean, I did that, you know, it carried over into that previous long-term relate romantic relationship. Um, I was, I was on a very low level keeping, my true interests alive, you know, the worlds of spirituality and metaphysics. And so I would read and learn how to, you know, read palms and the healing power of numbers and colors. And I was always studying those things. But I remember when I was in my previous relationship, um, I, I was a hip hop radio show host for a long time. And and even though it was a hip hop morning show, I was always booking like psychics to come in the studio and like metaphysical type guests to have on the morning show. And I would do dream analysis for the listeners. They would call in and tell me their dreams and I would analyze them. Um, so I was, I was keeping it alive in that way. But I remember I took a psychic online course and my ex 
getting really freaked out about that. And that was just another example of my soul trying to communicate to me what my true calling and pathway was, but betraying my own soul calling and betraying my own gifts and purpose in order to keep a relationship with another person alive. So by seeing his discomfort and his reaction to me leaning into opening up my psychic abilities, I was like, well, again, choice point, I can either continue to, to learn and take this psychic course and open my gifts back up. And that's probably going to cost my relationship with him because he's expressing to me and showing me that he's not okay with that. So again, I'm there at that place where, which way do I go? And at that time I chose again, I will squash the psychic course. He's clearly uncomfortable with me doing that, doing card readings, all the things that I was trying to lean back into in order to keep the relationship with this male figure in my life alive. And I kept, and it's, it's that, it was that dance that I was so lost in that led to, um, and all accumulated to having that divine intervention. I got really lost in that codependent dance. Why do we uh, suffer so much? <laughs> like yeah. I was just, I was doing a breathwork session before this, this podcast on myself, because I'm going through a ton of transitions. I'm in my Saturn return mm. and I'm like, just constantly, I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Am I choosing the right path? How do I even know if I'm like just a million and one questions. And then as I'm sitting there breathing, I'm like, I really, this is, and I have this realization maybe 20 times a day, one day yeah. it will just become permanent. Yes. But I'm like, this is the game of earth. And it always comes back to me how this is just the game of earth. And it's not so much about that. The suffering is wrong. It's our attachment to thinking that suffering is wrong. Yes. And how we suffer is not necessarily that we need to suffer to become the greatest potential of who we are, but how we alchemize. Yes everything into becoming the most fully embodied version of who we were always going to be. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. If I had my rattle, I would rattle. Yes. It's all that. And what's coming in is my favorite phrase, perhaps of all time, but this phrase is two little words in relation, in relation. And it kind of sums up everything that you were just pulling those, those wisdom nuggets from. It's like, yeah. How are we in relation to the experiences presenting? How are we in relation to the waves of the different emotions that are coming up? How are we in relation to this initiation that's coming into our lives right now? Like this morning, I have a lot of, you know, spontaneous initiations. And, you know, for me, um, a lot of them just happen at home and a lot of them happen in early morning hours. So this morning from five to seven, I was just like awakened by this energetic initiatory process that was, that was coming in. And I haven't fully landed with it yet. Cause it was just a few hours ago, but, um, you know, one thing, and even as this initiation was happening and it was taking me to like some of the most ancient fears and emotions. So I was like purging through tears. I was also energetically, oftentimes I'll see visions of myself 
in, in the bathroom purging, but I'm just like energetically purging, you know, I'm being taken to all these awarenesses. So it was, you know, I'm pretty exhausted from, it was a, it was a deep two hours this morning, but even as I'm experiencing all of that, which is a lot of deep guttural Mm. challenging things, I'm also so healthily, I've gained mastery over how to be in relation to these initiations. So to someone newer to an initiation, yeah, it might feel completely suffering filled. You might, and I've had these, when I first had my awakening, my experiences and initiations were more when I was laying on the ground and just slobbering, it was more suffering filled, but now I'm able to be all at one and in healthy relation to honoring what's revealing the waves of emotions and teachings coming up, but I'm in such a beautification alchemized place with it. I'm the way I'm in relation to it is I'm not feeling suffering, even though I'm experiencing really deep emotions and waves. So it's just how, yeah, like you said, that word alchemizing, it's like, how quickly can you alchemize this? Um, how are you in resistance and trying to push away what's trying to inform you and come in, or are you fully inviting it all in and, and gobbling, you know, guzzling the medicine that's presenting and the, the medicine might taste bitter, but you're realizing as you're guzzling the bitter medicine, like you're also seeing the flowers that are blooming from it. Um, yeah. In relation. God, when I you- love that. When you say initiation, um, I wonder if you could help our community and our listeners understand what you mean by that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different varying scopes and degrees and capacities of types of initiations, but you, one could label, um, like the day that I had my intervention and my Claire audience gift got turned on and I was instructed through being able to hear spirit speak to me through my clairaudient gift activating, I received instructions that I was to go to my ex's phone. And, you know, some people might scoff or chuckle at this story because it involves someone being able to hear spirit speaking to them and it involves going to a phone. What's the big deal? But for me, that was a massive and truly my first shamanic cave initiatory moment. And that phone was the cave because I love to share the Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And that can kind of sum up if you track back in your life and reflect, you know, what were those moments in life where you were so terrified, but you either chose to face those fears, or you were thrust into facing those fears. And in doing so an old pattern or an old paradigm system within you was able to die off. And you were able to cross a threshold into experiencing yourself and life in a whole new way from a higher or healthier, more whole perspective. Those are the initiations. Those are those initiation points where you're at a threshold where the life you knew will never be the same but you're allowing yourself to open up and receive the teachings. Um, so you can be in a healthier relationship moving forward. So just to summarize, um, that example, I was led to this phone and what was held in this phone was very graphic, horrific proof 
of basically almost two decades of betrayal. And for me and what my soul needed and the medicine required for me to have my awakening, it was me facing, that was my greatest fear was betrayal based upon some past life stuff and some other things. For someone else, it might've been a more mild experience. Maybe that's not their greatest fear. Betrayal is not the scariest thing for them. So that experience might've been, you know, forgive my language, a fucked up experience, but they were able to move through it. For me, it was a true full on initiation because in me facing that greatest fear, that's what it took to lift the veil of illusion from my intuition and blast my egoic shell open. So, um, some people have, you know, initiations, let's say, so in shamanism, there's so many different forms of shamanisms of shamanism and ways of walking the shamanic path. Uh, so for me, I've already explained, and that's where the medicine name I was given rock star shaman comes from. I, my two main teachers are great mother earth and great spirit rock and star, but there are other lineage based earth based cultural ways of adhering to the shamanic path. And in those ways, oftentimes there are sacred oaths taken. If you're called into a certain lineage of shamanism and the way that you perform rituals, the this medicine songs you sing, like they come from that line and you take an oath to adhere to that line. There might be certain initiations that the elder in that tradition brings you into. So there are purposeful initiations. There are also spontaneous initiations that can happen with or without the aid of plant spirits. They can come in any shape or form, but in essence, it's an experience where the life you knew it and the version of you that you knew dies off and a new way of experiencing yourself in life is born. That's an initiation. Okay. Mm. So is it like every time that we face into our fears in a way? It, it could be, it could be if you, yeah, if you allow, you know, to tr true transcendence, true transformation, um, allow that alchemization process to occur. Yeah. So I'm sure there's people listening that, you know, maybe they just hadn't connected the dot, but in, in reflecting, as we're talking, they're like being taken to a memory or an experience they had and feeling into it right now. And chances are that was a type of an, an initiatory process that, that the person had. Yeah. I also see initiations as how, I mean, everything you're saying, and if this helps clear it up more for our listeners too, as when we get into situations that can even be a, a super stressful situation, almost like our greatest fear realizing in that moment. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? Dive deeper into that fear? Or am I going to prove to myself that I can surf above it? And in, in almost like, and shift my perspective on it. So it no longer has a hold that it used to have. Yes. And yeah. And then it's just, it also just takes it into the, the bigger, the biggest scale initiation of, of just being a human on planet earth, you mm -hmm. know, life being ceremony of, of the whole trajectory of, you know, us being forever students. I truly believe that we're here to be on this infinite evolutionary path to, to always be learning if we choose to. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it encompasses all of that. 
So how do you deal with your initiations and, and life at the same time? Because when we think about plant medicine journeys, you know, it's like, you're in that moment for eight hours, maybe max time, but you know that you can go back to regular life as when you come in. But when we're dealing with initiations on a day and I'm like you, I feel like I go through initiations. I'm like, what life am I on? Because this is crazy. (laughs) Like multiple initiations a day where I'm constantly constantly having to be like, what really is this? What really is happening? Like bird's eye view all the time, but then keeping a job and relationships and regular human things at the same time. I do like five breath work sessions a day. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I hear you girl. Um, let me start by saying that I hear you and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like all this bizarre, mystifying, ridiculous, miraculous dance that is, is earth life. And it, and it takes like right now I'm being shown a vision of like, you know, a newborn fawn, you know, and like the wobbly doe legs. Like we have so many, uh, um, deer that are in our neighborhood and like so many families that come into up to our lawn. And just the other day, I saw the tiniest little baby deer that I've ever seen in my life. And it was definitely still finding its legs. And, you know, so there are times in whatever chapter season of life and soul evolution that we're in, where we might be a little bit messier or a little bit more wobbly leg uh, than other times. I, I find that things kind of go in cycles. And the irony is oftentimes when you're in a phase of your journey, like, you know, let's say you, you know what the spiritual path is like, you've said yes to it. You've opened the door, you've crossed the gateway. You're, you're walking the spiritual path or perhaps even more specifically the shamanic path. Um, and so you, you've said yes to this and yet there will be seasons or cycles where you feel like nothing is happening. Like everything just feels so quiet. And maybe it's been, you can't even remember like the last vision that you had or the last lucid dream. I, I find anytime those chapters of great stillness and silence and where it feels like nothing is happening. I find that actually it's those portals, um, where the most potent medicine is happening. And so I'm just sharing all these examples because it's just like, look, you know, all we can really do is the very, very best that we can. And I've examined myself in, in what you were sharing that led us into this, this theme we're in. I've often looked at my ability to have human relationships. I find, you know, and Luke tells me all the time, like you're incredible at human relationships. And I think if you would ask the the people I'm closest to right now, they would probably say the same thing. Like, oh my God, I'm so fortunate to have you in my life. You're such a great friend. But for some reason, I'm still on this examination quest of my ability to have healthy human relationships, whether, you know, especially with friends. Um, and so that's an area in life at still at 43 and a half years old, where I feel like sometimes I'm that wobbly legged baby deer where I'm just like, am I really good at this? How do you do this? I'm so adept at talking to Jesus and communing with the power animals. And yeah, Luke and I do have a really healthy, incredible sacred union, but then there are other relationships 
that have met their demise that I never would have guessed would have. And there's been certain friendships that have been, you know, for lack of a better of explaining it, like left in the dust where I'm just like, what's going on here? Do I really know what I'm doing with human relationships? And so I just think we have to, you know, once we know our integrity, once we know the purity of our hearts, once we know that we're willing and able to look and do all the deep work and do the shadow work and all of those things, once we trust in that and we know ourselves as that and we're embodied in that, we also have to bring in just grace and compassion and gentleness when we're in these more tumultuous spiritual fire chapters of our lives. And when we are examining areas where we think we can maybe do better, and it's just about having gentle self-inquiry and trying not to take it all too seriously because play a lot of spiritual teachers and a lot of shamanic elders you know, revere play as the highest expression and form of, of spirituality. And so I'm really in that phase right now. I'm being guided into more breath and space. I, I don't really like having anything on my calendar right now. And I'm learning guitar for the first time at 43 and I'm singing more and, and I'm allowing that. I think it's just allowing where you're being guided and not resisting that and letting old identities and archetypes die off and ways of living die off when it's time for them to die off. That was my very long answer to whatever it was you asked. <laughs> That's perfect. Just, yeah. I, it just, I, I, I guess it comes down to if we're able to view all these experiences that come up, um, as invitations into expansion, there's not as much suffering there. It just requires holding a lot of space for those scared little parts that I think yes. are always going to be in us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Loving. Yeah. It could kick up. Yeah. My examining of, do I have any clue what I'm doing with human friendships and relationships this morning, that initiation involved the examination of that and took me to the thing that I started with the two and a half year old who had to make that decision. And it brings me back to that scared little two and a half year old that feels like you have to make a decision. Like, and I know that that's not true anymore. I know that now I'm able to have friendships where I can keep my seer abilities fully alive. And in doing that, and in potentially sharing with that friend some of the things that I'm seeing about them, that does not always have to equate with that relationship going away or dying. So I'm still in this like full circle dance of in more healthily integrating in that two and a half year old and going to her, letting her cry, letting her heart be scared, talking to that little girl, talking to my heart and trusting that I'm safe and trusting that there can be a new way. So yeah, there, a lot of it does involve going us going back to, um, to the younger parts of ourselves and re re loving that those scared pieces. Yeah. And letting them meet the, the shaman that you've become, letting them meet the healer, letting them meet the breathwork guide. Yes. Letting them meet the, 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 the current manifestations of ourselves. Yeah. And the last little piece that I'll say this other thing that's been, um, expressing, uh, and it doesn't get out of control. I'm in healthy relation with it, but I think I, I've been noticing this, um, desire to pout 
to be a bit poutier lately. And Luke and I are very aware of it. Like when it comes up, I get pouty and he's watching me and witnessing me get pouty and he knows what's going on. And I do too, but I let it have a healthy expression. And I think I haven't fully meditated on it, but I think by having to kind of grow up quickly as a child and just being so focused on being the best runner in the whole world and all of those pressures at such a young age, I don't think I had much space to pout as a little girl. And so now fast forward to 43 and I'm like, I kind of want to be pouty. And so I'm in good relation with it. And I don't let it take over my day and cause issues in my relationship, but I'll be a little pouty and Luke will let me be a little pouty. And then after five or 10 minutes, when, I, when it's done, I'm like, thanks. I just wanted to pout a little bit. And he'll say, <laughs> I know, honey. And we keep it moving, you know? That's so beautiful. <laughs> Great thing about being conscious relationships. Yeah. Amen. You, you can hold space for those things and it doesn't become a problem or a personal issue. Just something to be observed. Yeah. Some right. Like observed. no part of ourselves gets put in our shadow. No part of ourselves is shamed. Yes. And that's so beautiful. I think, you know, I love seeing posts that you put on your Instagram about you and Luke. And I was reading one post where you said, you go, I prayed for over 25 years for a man who was secure, who would have a true desire to fan my flame, love to see my shine, who is sensitive, smart, funny, spiritual, consciously aware, empathetic, kind, strong, honest, deep, and integrity and sexy, someone who I could be completely honest with at all times, someone I'd be inspired by and who would be inspired by me and not have an ego get in the way of expressing and acknowledging that. And wow. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I'm like, oh my God, like that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is what so many of us are really wanting and craving, like such a conscious union. And it can be hard in this day and age when we see so many things on Instagram and then we have all these dating apps and we think that it can like, it can happen quickly. And then we get in these relationships that, you know, on the surface maybe seem very enlightened and then we get in and it's like a manipulative, toxic relationship. And to hear that you, you said you waited over or you prayed for over 25 years. Yeah. It's a long ass prayer. That's a long time. (laughs) And within that long ass 25 year prayer was also five years of celibacy. Mm. I mean, like countless years of deep shadow work of womb healings and clearings. I mean, of just going into every nook and cranny because I knew I mean, when that veil lifted on that awakening day, I was like, wow, I'm not who I thought I was. And I have a lot of healing work to do. Um, and so, yeah, I, it was interesting. I, I kind of held two things at once. I would be shown and I would see and be given these visions of being in this beautiful, healthy, sacred union. So I would see that vision But yet this prayer and walking, this prayer was going on for so long. I definitely arrived at a number of points where I thought, huh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that vision that I think I'm seeing isn't actually for this lifetime. Maybe it actually isn't for me. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm this really gifted, embodied, pure shaman 
who's really loving and I've got all these other gifts, but maybe I just suck at love. Like I had to really, you know, I was holding a lot of those, those places at once, but there was just something so deep in me that just kept holding the line and going forward, walking forward, looking at all that I needed to look at. Um, you know, self-worth was a huge piece for me. That was a, that was a big thing that revealed and looking at that old relationship. I was like, how did someone quote unquote, like me get stuck in this cycle of insanity for almost 20 years, you know, smart, capable, ambitious, winning on paper externally, but so lost inside. And, you know, so having such low self-worth was one of the big teachings. So like devoting to like, what does it even mean? Cause had someone asked me pre-awakening, do you love yourself? I would have said yes, but upon true examination, I didn't, I was like a, a big lack of self-respect, self-love and self-worth. So I had to do so many years of that. And my point is in me, just trusting that deeper soul guidance and also trusting just the healing journey in and of itself. And, and I truly live by the calls, you know, I don't live from my mind, the path that I have chosen and everybody's path is beautiful, but what is right for me and the path I choose is to live by the calls and instructions and guidance of the divine and of my soul. And those instructions were like, just keep healing, just keep walking, just keep holding the line. And I finally arrived to a place of sovereignty, like my healing, I'm forever a student, but I have, I have gained mastery in a lot of categories in life. So I had arrived being a whole sovereign being and Luke had been walking the same path in his own way, doing his own work. And part of his path also involved celibacy. Um, his was shorter than mine, but more strict in some ways, like his, he wouldn't even let himself flirt and he had a lot more rigid rules. Um, but you know, so here we are. And we had been friends for a number of years in that, but we just didn't, we, we were not clear. We didn't have the eyes to see what was really going on, but he was walking his healing path. I was walking mine. He arrived to his sovereignty. I arrived to mine. And it was at that point that universe was like, now it's time. And then all of a sudden, just like our whole relationship course changed. And I'd never navigated going from friends to lovers. Like that was a world I, I, I talk about being that wobbly legged doe. I was like, how does someone do this? I've always referred to you as my brother. And like, how do I, can I, can I pivot from that to something else? So, um, it was in devotion to our healing work and becoming sovereign as individuals. That's what got us into a place of readiness to come together in the way that we do now. Mm. And it was a long prayer. <laughs> Mm. becoming sovereign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And having to, you know, it's so hard not to get on ourselves about these timelines where we're like, oh, we're getting to this age and this needs to happen by this time. And I consciously am checking myself every single day where I'm like, wipe that slate clear on all things about everything and relationship and career and where I am at a certain age and what, I, what done, like, Yes. Cause so much about our definitions of success is evolving too. I mean, mm -hmm. through these last couple of years of this deep shadow extraction and, 
so many more people like who would have never gone to a Reiki master before all of a sudden they have their, their go-to Reiki master that they talk to every two weeks or whatever. And so people are evolving, um, at such rapid rates. I had a point, where was I going to with that? What did you say? Right. Timelines letting go of timelines. The timelines. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's going somewhere that felt so good and juicy and rich. Um, yeah, but it just kind of eviscerated like a cloud. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I said, well, wiping timelines, like wiping, like where we think we have to be in relationship and career and yes, yes, yes. So the definition of success for so many people is changing. So for me, when I'm hearing you, I'm like, Hell yeah. You know, like you're, you're a queen who is devoting to the inner landscape, who's devoting to the inner work. And like, especially over here in the U S it's only until now really where more and more people are understanding, like that's where the real valuable gems are. It's like through going inner doing, going inward. And, and, and our culture over here, we're just like, so the old paradigm ways and all the brainwashing ways. It's that thing that I had, you know, winning, but lost externally. I was winning. I was radio host winning all these things, but inside I had never gone on the inner quest. So I was still lost. And now with people waking up, they're realizing, Oh, my real definition of happiness and my real definition of success is the freaking deep inner peace that I have when I go to bed at night, or the fact that I know I'm living in integrity to my soul's calling. Like those are the real true treasures and riches. And so that's the path that you're on and you're devoting to, and you're embodying and you're living. So in my mind, when I'm hearing you explaining how you're living, I'm like, like, you know, whatever timeline about reaching some level of, you know, career at by a certain age, like, it's like, doesn't even matter because like you're exploring your inner terrain, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the, yeah, the timelines, um, are this like mass social manipulation that we have subscribed to. I was, I was speaking with this traditional Colombian healer. Um, and she just, she made me so aware of how we sign contracts, these unspoken contracts that we feel that we have signed, or we move around life as if we have signed them. Mm. And she was like, you never signed a contract, like go ahead and tear that up. You, an actual contract is something that you sit with, with two lawyers and you explicitly agree to, and you go through all these little clauses and things and you sign it. Like that's a contract, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things that we're continuing to hold over our own heads and accept from society that feel like contracts that we feel we have to subscribe to, but we never signed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just got programmed in like unconsciously subconsciously. And then, yeah, yeah, the more that we choose to awaken and become consciously aware, that's where like all of a sudden these light bulbs will go off and you'll be like, wait a second, why do I even think a and B is that even my own thought? Where did that come from? And we start to connect the dots, like where we first heard that thought and how it might've landed in us. But we're like, yeah, we're deconstructing all of those falsehoods right now. It's such a wild and beautiful and mystifying time to be alive, to just see all of this happening at once. It's really powerful. Yeah. And I really want to make sure that we talk about the animals too. 
animals. Yeah. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever. This is, crazy. I know I, I have, have some, I'm okay. Yes. Let's uh, dive the into battle it. of the mics to talk about. I the know. Animals. I know. <laughs> okay. Dive in with us on the okay. animal power book. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's, oh gosh. Yeah. It's my first book, baby animal power book is available now. And then animal power card deck it's available now for pre-order and will be, um, arriving to homes in August and oh my goodness, where to begin. So yeah, right after my spiritual awakening, that power animal allies were some of the first spiritual guides who came in to support me. You know, as I shared, my life got turned upside down, super discombobulating time. I was having additional awakenings, my clairvoyant and visionary gifts were turning on and I was being shown, you know, what spirit was asking of me for my life, but I was still like, you know, just fresh out of this awakening and just trying to discern all of these things and these power animals. Uh, when I was working with other shamans on my healing path, these animals started to reveal. And so my core power animal is the black Jaguar. We all have a core power animal that's assigned to us to be with us. Our entire earth walk it's with us at every moment. And then we have these supporter power animal allies that come in and out of our life, depending upon what we're going through, what our soul needs, what life experiences we're having, because every single animal has different healing and wisdom attributes and teachings. And so, yeah, the black Jaguar came in for spiritual reclamation to take me on all my deep years of shadow work. The bear came in to teach me how to fully let go and surrender into the arms of divine and to allow in that nurturing support. It will come in, med in during meditations. It would sit against a tree and have me sit in its lap and let go and lean back more, more, and more. Just urge me to let go and surrender more and more and more. The frog took me into the emotional healing and clearing into those emotional waters to clear toxicity. It taught me to take a leap of faith and only leap forward and not leap backward again into that cycle and the deer, the path of the heart. It played a huge role in Luke and I getting together. Um, you know, Kayumari, the sacred blue deer is, uh, the main animal for grandfather medicine peyote and, um, all of that Kayumari and peyote played a huge role and, and Luke and I pivoting from friends and getting into this sacred union. So the deer has been a supporter ally of mine for more than a decade. So those are just some examples, but how the book came to be, I always knew I was going to be an author ever since I was a little girl. And then once I aligned with my calling, as things do, things just organically start to happen because now you're in alignment, right? So all these publishers and literary agents were reaching out to me. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I would take all these meetings for years with all these incredible, you know, book industry people and could never get clear. Finally, four years into that process, thought I figured out the book. I had landed with the right agents. And then I flew to Bali to write this book on surrender. And in my first morning meditation, hundreds, if not thousands of power animals mm. came in as soon as I closed my eyes and they were like, that's not the book. And they asked me to change over to this concept that you ladies now have, and that's available to the world. And since I live by the calls, thankfully I was able to tell my agents like, Hey, you know, I need to change the entire book concept over. And thankfully they were on board. And then I worked on it for many years, just communing every single day, inviting in, I let the animals reveal to me, to show me which 100 wanted to be in this book. 
talking with them every single day. Um, so every the animal power book features 100 animals. Each animal has a full page of vivid embodied artwork. So colorful, amazing done by an artist who's now transitioned to the other side, William Santiago, always love to honor him. And then the informational page has explanations of when to work with that animal, why you would maybe want to connect with them. And then energy medicine messages, the, the messages that the animal conveyed to me, and then a power practice, so like a ritual where you can deepen your connection and understand the teachings and the essence of that animal. So it's like, I truly poured every single dollop and thread and fiber of my entire being into birthing this book. And it's a living, breathing medicine book that I'm so honored to have birthed out into the world. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad that you ladies have been enjoying it. Yes. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. Yeah. The art. Yeah. William, as soon as I saw, um, the publisher and I were sharing artists back and forth, trying to decide who to work with for that piece. And that was perhaps the biggest decision point for me was the artist, because I'm such a big teacher of embodiment. I knew it couldn't just be any artist. Like the artist had to understand how to have each animal embody the teachings that it represents. And as soon as I saw William's artwork, I knew he was the one. And then I've got further understanding with the Eagle and Condor prophecy with me being up here in the North. And he lived in Southern Brazil. I was like, oh my gosh, we're playing our part on a soul level to come together to further activate that, that prophecy. And it all just, you know, worked out so beautifully. And then right upon completion, he was young, he was only 30, but he transitioned to the other realms. And so the fact that in this Deccan book, it's his legacy is able to live on. It's such, such an honor. Mm. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Potent stuff, right? A, A shamanic book also holding the energetics of life and death in it, you know? That's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Animals are so powerful. I can, I've actually been, and I know we're getting to time, but the, the Jaguar has also been the animal that came through for me years ago. And, and so reading, (laughs) (laughs) I can't laugh. Sorry. I'm like, Oh boy. (laughs) I know it is. Yeah. And so it's really cool to have your book and, and read more into the perspective of how I can work more deeply into it. So yeah, it's funny. I know a lot of times people, when they hear that my core animal is a black jaguar, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like you look like a black jaguar. And I think the same of you, like you're like a, a big cat, you know? <laughs> I had, yeah. I had somebody else say that to me, but the person that first guided me into it when mm. that was the animal that came through, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Total sense. Like you like, are the black jaguar. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And what about yeah. you? Have you had, is there a main animal that's revealed for you? Oh yeah. And they're all around me right now. They're hummingbirds. They fly in and out of my house all the time. Like, and also just birds in general. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can see this, but I have a lot of different feathers, red, blue, white, green, Mm -hmm. owl, Mm -hmm. feathers, like anything with wings. I used to collect butterfly wings and then it became, Mm -hmm. it became birds. So birds are huge in my world. Do I look like a bird? (laughs) <laughs> you do have more bird-like features than your sister. Yes. Uh, 
If one was uh, a bird and one was a jaguar, I guess this makes sense. <laughs> I mean, a jaguar hummingbird combo. That's a that's a winning mix right there. I love hummingbird medicine so much. That was like the main totem, I would say, for my chapter in living in LA. So once uh, Goddess Oshun and the energetics of LA had been calling to me, asking me to leave New York City. And when I finally said yes to that, it was in me answering that call that I said to Luke, cause we had been friends and I said, um, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm in LA. Cause we would usually catch up as friends when the other would go to the other coast. And I said, I'm, I'm in LA. And he said, Oh, what do you, what are you here for this time? Cause I used to film a show there and I used to take like, you know, work meetings and things. And I said, I'm not filming. I'm not taking any meetings. I'm here for life because I've decided to move here. And it was in me expressing to him that I had said yes to that call. That's what gave him the permission to then let me know that he had always been interested in me. The only reason he was not speaking that was because he was against, um, what's it called? Long distance relationships. And so Anyways, that culminated into a whole other trajectory of he and I. And once I moved to LA, the hummingbird was the main guide for us and for me and that journey of us. I moved straight into his home. That was another funny thing. My friends who knew I'd been calling in my partner for the freaking 25 years and uh, knew I was moving to LA, they would say, when are you going to start to like look for what neighborhood in LA you're going to move into? And I'm, and I just knew I said, I'm going to meet my person and I'm going to move directly into their house. I don't need to search for a home. And that's exactly what happened. Luke and I, uh, got together and I literally moved from Brooklyn directly into his home in Laurel Canyon. And the hummingbirds were everywhere. It's such, even though they're so small, like they have such potent medicine, they represent infinite, you know, possibilities The like, even the way, like when they're, when their wings move at that rapid, uh, speed, they, they make the infinity sign and mm. they're able to maneuver and fly unlike any other creature. And so many of them are that iridescent, like rainbow colors. And to me, they just, you know, represent the sweetness of life and miracle and infinite possibility. I love those little, little creatures. I love them so much and they get stuck in my house all the time. So I always have to pick them up and let wow. them out. And they're like so delicate. And whenever I hold them, they're these fierce little like, and they're rascals. Like they love playing. You you've seen it. They like fight for the food. And, and then when I, whenever I hold them, they get like very innocent and then let them go and they go fly. And they actually started, it's almost been one year exactly that they've come to visit me. Um, before I had food, anything, they started coming in my house on the mm. day that my grandma who passed away in 2020 or 2020, 2020, she passed away in 2020 and they came on what was going to be her birthday. Wow. Yeah. They tie in very strongly to ancestor medicine. Um, that's another thing about animal power book. I decided to bring in 25 different spiritual teachers and shamans from all over the world, all different walks of life and lineages and Arana Leia is one of those 25 contributors. She's the author um, and co-creator of the moon deck, also a spiritual teacher. And her, her story is a hummingbird story and it pertains to her mom who had passed away. And so, yeah, very, very closely tied to ancestors. Mm. And for people who want to get this book, how can they find it? How can they 
Do you recommend a way that they begin working with it and Mm. begin to call in their animals? Yes. Great question. Yeah. So my most recommended way, especially if you're newer to opening up the gateways to uh, having relationships with the power animal realm, I most recommend going on a guided shamanic journey with a trusted shaman. And some people listening might be like, well, like that's not an easy task. Like I'm new to this path. I don't, I don't know any shamans, let alone one that I know I can trust yet. Um, but that's where I come in. Um, I trust myself. You can choose if you want to trust me or not. You don't have to, but, um, I teach from a very embodied place and you can get a free guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum on my website. So allisoncharles.com And my name is a L Y S O N allisoncharles.com. You just go to the book page on my website. There's all the buttons from all the different places. You can buy the book, whether it's Barnes and Noble, Amazon, independent bookstores, you can get it from wherever. And then there's a form right there. You just put the receipt number from your purchase and you get sent an email, the, the guided shamanic journey that I facilitate. And we call for, we set the intention for that journey to call for the current power animal that most wants to assist you at this time. So you'll be able to meet and ask questions of, and potentially receive energetic medicine from the animal who comes into your journey. And that's my most recommended way because it's more empowering for you, right? Like my whole intention as a shaman, I'm just a guide to help you remember and reconnect. The last thing I want is for anybody to become like shaman dependent and to feel like they get in that habit of outsourcing their wisdom. It's like, I want to always return you back to you. And yes, I'm the one drumming and guiding the journey, but you're the journeyer. You're the one going into the different realm. You're the one seeing the animal come forward. You're the one asking the animal questions. So it helps reconnect you to you and your innate ancient wisdom and to learn how to trust yourself and working with the unseen realms. Uh, so yeah, you can get it from my website. And like I said, anywhere books are sold, um, both the book animal power book and animal power card deck. Oh, and also I share, sorry, I will always forget to talk about my own podcast ceremony circle. So I share, um, there's a whole episode dedicated specifically to the book. I use the book as a divination tool and that's what that episode is. I just literally let the book take us for the ride. There was no notes, no script. Um, and you can learn more about how to work with power animals and specifically the book and that ceremony circle episode. Perfect. So we'll link to all of that in our show notes. We'll link to your Instagram, which is, is Allison Charles. I am Allison. I am Allison Charles. We'll link to all of that. And I think that this is super potent, especially right now, because we're seeing so many deaths and rebirths and transformations and we're all, the initiations are back to back for all of us. You know, I said mine, but I know a lot of us are going through so many initiations and it really helps to have, I mean, if you're like me, I look up the spiritual meaning of literally everything yeah. I come in contact with all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Even like flowers. It's like sunflower. Yeah. What does that represent? <laughs> right. Right. I like see a, a flying leaf. I'm like spiritual meaning of leaf, but like having this beautiful book and these, this, these beautiful animals to guide us along the way, I think it's so helpful because we we're not doing this journey alone. You know, yeah. we're all here together and we have, we have guides all along that can help us. They're everywhere and they're ever present, but a lot of them honor our free will and the power animal allies are very much 
guides like that. They, they'll hang on the periphery and they really appreciate and, and love an invitation in, you know, there are some archangels and some goddesses like goddess Kali, when they feel they need to come in, they might come in with a rip roaring force. And there's no mistaking the goddess Kali fire. Like they'll come in, um, in a different way. And then you have guides like the power animal realm where I don't want to invasive is not necessarily the right word, but they're less invasive and they they'll hover on the sidelines and love for you to all of a sudden reach a place of clarity within your own self and your own soul of like, wait, this resonates. I'd like to connect and commune with the power animal realm more. And then speaking that outwardly speaking that saying just a simple sentence of, sacred power animal realm. I feel your call. I feel your presence and I'm ready to connect with you more. I invite your teachings and medicine more fully into my life. And then you can decide if you want to, you know, do the journey or invite them to meet you during dream time. They love to come in during dreams, but they do like a, a good invitation. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. And before we close up, we always love to ask our guests, or guess their zodiac signs. We like to guess their zodiac signs. You so, like to guess mine? Yeah. Can we oh, guess this it? This is going to be, oh, I love, what a fun way to close. I <laughs> wonder, I kind of doubt, but okay, go ahead. Paula, do you um, have one? First? Okay. The okay, first thing that popped in my mind was Taurus. Okay. And I'm going to guess mine before yep. you say anything. That's funny because that actually, I felt that energy. I felt like earthy energy. Um, what's coming to me is Virgo. That was the other oh, what are you? <laughs> are we I'm sweating? So funny. So I'm a Capricorn. Mm, oh, the other Earth. The other Earth. Earth. So that's what I was when you said Taurus. I was like close. Um, oh. and I think I always forget. Actually, let me one second. Um, I I can literally never retain the information of my rising and moon. Your moon. Okay. What is that? You know, my notes, because if I put, (laughs) I I think I put it in my notes. I think I might have Taurus as like my, my rising rising or something. Mm. Stand by. I'm looking it up. But we got the earthy ones because Virgo is also earth. Yeah. Oh, no, I think I'm, I think I'm wrong again. I guess it's Aquarius and Libra. I was going to, Aquarius was in my mind too. Cause it felt like Aquarius is, um, they're so multidimensional. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a new year's day baby. I'm a January one, one child. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Can I ask, do you know your, your life path? I'm a one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. One's hardcore, like in like a trillion categories. I'm a hardcore one. Mm. <laughs> I think you, I think, um, you know, Julie, I think are you Julie Pyatt. I know the name. I know the name. She's a one. Okay. I know. Okay. Name. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. You're talking yeah. About. You might be Instagram friends or something, but I know yes. we had it in common, but she's the only other one that I know. And you both are extremely powerful and very on the path and in the realms. Yeah. Yes. That's a good way of describing us. The other one that I know, do you know, Caitlin Carehart? She's a numerologist. Mm -mm. She's cool. I think you ladies would enjoy her. Um, she's also a musician, long blonde hair. Uh, but yeah, she's a musician and numerologist and she's a life path one as well. Lots of ones in her chart too. Okay. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Look her up. (laughs) Thank you for spending this time with us. Yes. 
Thanks, thank you ladies. so much. You are yeah. amazing and so lovely. And thank you for just bringing us into your world. I'm so excited to share this with all of our listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for saying yes to the call to creating your own podcast. Cause it's, it's a big job. And for people that don't do podcasts, it's tough for them to understand, but it's like, it's a big undertaking. It's a, it's like, you gotta be full in to have, uh, to have a podcast. So kudos to you and thanks for having me on and thanks for letting me uh, join, be the third missing sister. <laughs> Come see us on YouTube guys. We all look related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I normally this, like this slight golden thing is somewhat newer. I typically just have the straight brunette. If I didn't have this golden hue, it'd be like even more full on. So <laughs> it was nice being in the trifecta and great to meet the soul fam who, uh, is part of your community. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk to you later, Allison. And for all of Allison's beautiful friends and family and fans and followers who are listening to this podcast, we're so excited for you guys to be here with us. Mm. Bye everyone.